You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024. If you've got a Bible, go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, we, we live in a culture that would not be defined as sober-minded. We currently, as humanity, are sitting in the midst of a people who are hostile in mind and in deed. So both of those coincide with one another. They're, they're hostile in mind and people are hostile in deed. C.H. Spurgeon once said, As salt flavors every drop in the Atlantic, so does sin affect every atom of our nature. It is so sadly there, so abundantly there, that if you cannot detect it, you are deceived by it. Um, I I just, (laughs) here's what I want you to see is is that we as humanity, we as um, people have been born depraved. We've been born minus God. But for those who have been redeemed and set apart by the divine work of Christ on the cross, we have a different calling. We have a different direction that we are to go. We have had our feet set on a different path. When we see the word therefore in the text, when we read in First Peter here, the word therefore, we have to understand that there was something before this text. So before I jump into verses 13 and beyond, I want us to look at verse 3 because what happens in verse 13 is predicated on what took place in verse 3. And I understand that verses 3 through 12 is a package deal. It's a bundled package deal. But I want us to, to hone in uh, back on verse 3 here in First Peter chapter 1. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, therefore, because of that fact in verse 3, that we have this very hope, now I want us to jump into verse 13, and I want us to see this. So, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, the hope that's in verse 13 is the same hope that's in verse 3, the hope of what Christ did on the cross. So, um, what kind of action do we have here? What kind of action are we called to here in this verse 13? Preparing your minds for action. What kind of sober-mindedness do we have here? So we have, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Prepare yourself to take action against sinfulness. Against sinfulness in your own person. In your own body. We are called to make war against our sinfulness that is in us. 
And we are called here to keep sober-mindedness like we are in a time of war. Don't, don't have a, don't go haywire because like you're going to get killed. You've got to be sober-minded. Like this is the problem in the world we live. We don't have a, a, a rational thought process when it comes to this. We just go willy-nilly haywire and it can, tend, it can tend to sometimes get us in trouble. We're called to be action-minded people and sober-minded people and to set our hope fully on 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 Christ what he's done in our lives so we prepare ourselves to take action against our sinfulness and we keep a sober-mindedness like we're in a time of war stay focused stay prepared stay ready because if you don't then you're you're gonna you're gonna get killed <laughs> you're gonna be killed and so i want to go through um, three things here that I think are important in this text that can help us understand what it means to be prepared for action and have sober-mindedness. So number one here, I want us to look at this. is Know your surroundings. Know your surroundings. Peter calls us again in actually chapter five of first Peter. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. If you're actually in a physical war, I got no brothers that have gone and been in war and their mindset is that they have to be they have to be completely ready for what's coming down the pike. And if you're actually in a physical war and you've been told by your commanding officer to stay alert because your life is at stake, your life is at, it, it, at stake, you're not going to ignore that command from your commanding officer. You're going to think, okay, the commanding officer told me that I need to be ready. I need to be prepared. I need to stay focused. The enemy is prowling around here and he's ready to take me out. Well, our commanding officer... Jesus has told us in this text that we are to be prepared and be watchful and be ready because the enemy is ready to try to take us out. Like, if your commanding officer, if you were in a time of war, if you had gone over to any other country and were in the midst of war and your commanding officer told you to do these things, you would be on point. Every twig snap you'd be alerted to. Every rustling of a leaf you'd pay attention to. Why? Because your enemy is on the move. And they're not taking breaks. They're looking for ways to take you out. You see, the enemy does not take breaks from attempting to destroy and discredit us as believers. So Peter tells us to stay ready for action and stay ready to go against our sin. Make war against our sinfulness. Say sober-minded. We are called to be sober-minded about our enemy. Know what's going on around you. That's number one. We've got to know our surroundings. Know what's taking place around us as believers. That's number one. Number two, know your weapon. Know your weapon. Ephesians 6, 17 says that this, the word of God, the Bible that I'm holding in my hand is the sword of the spirit. What do we do with a sword? What's a sword for? It's a weapon. A sword is a weapon. And when you're in the military, you're trained to know your weapon. You're trained to know um, your weapon backwards and forwards. You're trained to be able to take that thing apart in the dark and put it back together in the dark. You are trained to know your 
weapon. First Timothy chapter four, verses seven through eight says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds a promise for the present life and for the life to come. We're, we're to train ourselves for godliness by knowing God's word. Like, guys, you guys, I need you to understand this. When we engraft God's word to ourselves, when, when we do this, why do we do this? So that it's a part of us. You ask any military man, when you talk about their weapon, their weapon was a part of them. Their, their rifle was a part of them. And it was, it was in such a way, it was fused to them as in a time of war. Like when they're sleeping, it's right next to them. It may be even across their chest. Like they're holding this thing. It's fused to them because if you don't have that with you, if it's not connected to you, it is very possible that you could be killed. Okay, so I want to talk to to fathers for a minute because um, many fathers are ready, willing, and able to train their children on how to use a real gun for hunting or, or train their children on how to uh, wield a ball around a court or a field, but they refuse to talk about God's word or train their children up in God's word in the home. And let, let, me, just, let me just be honest. In 10,000 years, will it matter that your kid got a trophy from that tournament? Like, that's the question I have for you. Will it matter in 10,000 years that your child got some sort of a trophy in that sport? In 10,000 years, will it matter that your child knew how to, um, all, all the intricacies of hunting? Like, that's my question. I contend that it will not. Now, many will hear me say, well, now, <laughs> Caleb doesn't like hunting. He doesn't like sports. Look at him. He's just a killjoy. That is not what I am trying to tell you. I'm trying to persuade you that there's something better. Those those things that I mentioned, hunting and sports, those are good things. Man, I, I love hunting. I love sports. I, I, man, I, my family grew up hunting, and so I, I love those things. I grew up playing sports. Those are good things. But here's the thing. When a good thing takes the place of the best thing, that good thing can become evil. You're to train yourself in godliness by knowing and engrafting God's word in your life. And if you're not doing that, it's to your own detriment. And so what I'm doing is I'm I'm trying to persuade us as, as men here to be mindful of what we're doing. We're called by God to train ourselves for godliness by knowing and engrafting God's word. Know your weapon. Like you and I are in a time of war and God has equipped us as believers for such a time as this. And we've been commanded by our commanding officer to know our weapon, to know it, be sober-minded, be ready for action, be, being ready for action. This is what has to take place. So that's number two, know your weapon. Number three, know your brothers. Know your brothers. Who do you have around you? Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. <laughs> when you're in war, you want to know who has your back. You want to surround yourself with others, other brothers who are going to be able to handle those first two points we talked about. They, they know their surroundings and they know their weapon as well. 
because it is very likely that if you don't, you could end up as a cultural casualty of our world. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You say, oh, Caleb, listen, I, I got plenty of friends. I got, I got over 2,000 friends on Facebook. Listen, no, you don't. You got 2,000 people that say they're friends on Facebook. And honestly, we as men do a poor job of having close friends. That's because we, we don't want to be vulnerable with people. We as men have been taught by culture not to be vulnerable with other men. And we're, we're, like, we're so stinking guarded. <laughs> like you and I are so stinking guarded about our lives. Because, man, listen, I know we've all been wounded somewhere on some level. We've been wounded somewhere. And so, like, I, I get it. But here's the deal. It's not an excuse. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man can sharpen another. We're called to be a part of a biblical masculine community. And it's for our own good. It's to sanctify us and make us holy. Like that's what we're called to. And furthermore, true masculinity can only be relayed to you as a man from a masculine source. Femininity cannot dictate or determine what true masculinity actually is. We need each other. You need solid men in your camp to help you get to where you're going. Like this is the thing, who you surround yourself with, who you who you get connected with, who is in your camp, who is in influencing you, that's the direction you're going to go. If you're surrounding yourself with men that like to tell foul jokes and run around and play and and, and just joke and and drink and be stupid, that's that's where you're going to end up. But if you surround yourself with men who have a desire to know Jesus on a deeper level, who want to train themselves for godliness, who want to sharpen another brother and cause them to be a weapon used against the enemy, to destroy the enemy, to, to penetrate the heart of the enemy and, and take him out, then that's, that's where you're going to go. And so we're called by God to be a man who knows our surroundings, knows our weapons, and knows the people we're around. And the people you surround yourself is where you're going to end up. And so I want to challenge us to be a man who surrounds ourselves with men who love the Lord. And I contend that if if we're doing these three things, then the rest of 1 Peter will come naturally. I want, I want to continue reading 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, after 13, starting in verse, verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who calls you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it's written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So like this, and this is what God's called you and I into. This is the direction that Jesus has for us. And I contend that if we're doing the three things I pointed out here, if we do know our surroundings, if we do know our weapon, and we do know our brothers, I contend the rest of this text that I just read will come naturally. We will watch our personal conduct. We will pursue holiness if we're doing these three things above. 
Now, listen, like I said, if you're not doing these things, you're not engrafting God's word. You don't know your surroundings. You're just sort of kind of willy-nilly doing whatever you want. And you're hanging out with godless people. Like, you're not going to watch your personal conduct. You're going to allow sin. And sin's crafty. Sin knows how to slip in the door and do its thing. And it will destroy you if you're not careful. We... We will watch our personal conduct. We will pursue holiness if we're doing these three points. I'm telling you, we're called to look different. We're called to sound different. We're called to be different as Christian men. And so my challenge for us as as brothers and believers is that I want us to stay focused on what God's word has for us. And if we're engrafting it into our word, into our minds and into our lives and we're leading out and we're surrounding ourselves with other godly men who are doing the exact same thing, like <laughs> you're going to win. But if you surround yourself with a bunch of frat brothers who are like, "Yeah, man, let's go party, dude." Okay, maybe that was a horrible, <laughs> maybe it's a horrible example, illustration. But you surround yourself with these guys that don't have any desire to do anything other than than play. I call them boys that can shave. Like that's the direction you're going to end up going. And so we've got to be careful. We've got to know what's going on around us because here's the bottom line: you and I are in a battle. You and I are in a war. We're in a war for our very souls and for our very hearts and for our very minds. And the enemy knows what you're worth. The enemy knows the value of your soul. And he wants to destroy it. He has the desire to destroy it. But Christ wants to bring abundant life into you. He wants to show you what it looks like to to be a man who is on fire for the things of the Lord. And the only way you're going to do that is if you're doing these three things. Knowing your surroundings, paying attention to what's going on around you. What did I say? Be ready for action. Be ready for action. Preparing your minds for action. Being sober-minded and setting your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Putting your hope in the fact that Christ is saved and redeemed and reconciles you from your sinfulness. He's bought you back from the depravity that is inside of you. Like, like I said, every fiber of our being is depraved upon entry onto this planet. But here's the deal. Jesus bought us back. When he did what he did on the cross, when he died on the cross for the sins of those that would believe, when he was put in the ground and then resurrected three days later for the justification of those that would believe, he set believers on a different path. Our feet have been placed on a different trajectory. And so what we need to do as men is we need to have our minds focused. We need to have our hearts dedicated and we need to have our lives poured out for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way we do that is by doing these three things. Know your surroundings, know your weapon, and know your brothers. I love you guys. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the time that we get to spend together on this Uh, Bible study, Father, I pray that you would take what is said here through the power of your word and that it would not return void, but it would transform lives and hearts and minds. God, we love you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. 
If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas 67024. God bless you.